Chapter Fourteen of the Diamond Cross Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. The Diamond Cross Mystery by Chester K. Steele. Chapter Fourteen: The Hidden Wires. Donovan looked at the deputy as if about to dispute the statement. The detective even opened his lips to speak, but no sound came through them. Donovan sat down in a chair. Do you mean, he asked, passing his hand over his face, as though to brush away unseen cobwebs, do you mean that he's dead? Sure, was the answer. Croaked, I told you. Deader in a burned-out cigarette. Well, observed Donovan dispassionately, that's the limit. I agree with you, said the colonel and there was a curious look on his face. Though if you mean it's the end, I beg to differ. It's only the beginning. How did it happen? asked Donovan sharply. We don't know, was the answer. The Dago was all right today, except he seemed a little glummer than usual. He didn't eat any supper, though. But that's nothing. Lots of times the birds in here get off their feed, and the deputy warden made a comprehensive gesture. He was locked up with the rest tonight, and we got sort of quiet and comfortable here, and I was having a game of pinochle with Tom Doyle, when one of our borderers in murderer's row lets out a howl. Course I went to see what it was, and there was the dago, croaked. What did it? asked Donovan. We don't know. Doc Warren's in now, giving him the once-over. Did he have any visitors today? asked the colonel. Yes, a fellow like himself, Indian, I reckon, but we didn't let him further than the corridor. It wasn't visiting day for the fellows in his row, so the Dago left a package and went away. What was in the package? the colonel questioned further. Oh, just some cigarettes. Singerfoot didn't like the kind we keep, and he had to have his own fancy kind. He's had em before, so we knew they was all right. Was that all? Every blessed thing that was in the package so we let him have the cigarettes. That was about four o'clock. He was dead at eight. Here comes the doctor now. Maybe he can tell you something. Dr. Warren, rubbing his hands to get rid of the lint from the warden's towel, came along, settling himself into his coat, which he had removed the better to examine the body of the East Indian. Well, Donovan, said the county physician, your friend saved you the trouble of convicting him. Yep but I'd a had him all right. I'd a sent him to the chair without any trouble. But what ailed him, Doc? I can't say yet. Looks like a case of heart disease. I'll hold an autopsy in the morning. He's dead all right. I thought maybe some of the other prisoners might have got in and croaked him, commented the headquarters detective. Riley was saying someone let out a yell. That was Schmidt, fellow that killed his wife, interposed the deputy warden. He's in the cell next to where the dago was. Schmidt said he heard the foreigner breathing awful funny. It was his last breath, all right. He was dead when I got in, Doc. Yes, they go quick that way. Are you sure it was heart disease, Dr. Warren? asked the colonel. No, not at all. I just mentioned that as most probable. He didn't look strong. I can't tell for a certainty until tomorrow. Pardon me, Dr. Warren, for presuming on what is particularly your own ground, 
but did you look to see if any of the cigarettes were left in his cell i didn't notice if you want to take a look come on back and i don't in the least mind any suggestions from you colonel i'm too much interested in your work in fact i'd be glad to have you help in this investigation if you think there's anything crooked oh not at all suicide is of course the most natural suspicion in a case like this and it isn't hard to conceal enough opium in a cigarette to kill a dozen men blazes i never thought of that ejaculated the deputy come on and he led the way back to the cell singerfoot's body had been removed to another part of the jail but the cell was as it had been when the final summons came to the east indian there were the few poor possessions he had been allowed to have with him simple and apparently safe enough and scattered on the floor were some of the cigarettes made from strong latakia tobacco the peculiar odor of which was even yet noticeable in the corners of the cell he smoked some of them all right observed the deputy let's have a look suggested the colonel if we had a better light in here it might help i'll bring one of the two hundred watt bulbs we used down in the office said the warden who had joined the little group there was an electric light socket in each cell recently installed as the result of the agitation of a prison reform committee the low-powered bulb was taken out and the glaring nitrogen gas one substituted it made the cell very bright and by the glare the colonel gathered up a number of the cigarettes some had been smoked down to a mere stub others had not been lighted and two or three were broken in half neither end showing signs of either having been scorched by a match or wet by the lips of singer foot queer he'd waste em that way observed donovan usually they can't get enough to smoke he didn't exactly waste them said the colonel grimly as he looked at the divided but otherwise perfect cigarettes in his hand what do you call it then demanded the headquarters detective well i think he was looking for something in the cigarettes and he found it what do you mean asked dr warren wait maybe i can show you colonel ashley carefully gathered up all the cigarettes in the cell a number of them being perfect with them and the black butts as well as the broken paper tubes he moved over to the small table in the cell and spread them out donovan reached under the colonel's arm and broke open one of the whole cigarettes i don't see he began for the love of mike look at this he suddenly exclaimed there's a needle in this dope stick and if you value your life don't touch it cried the colonel that's what i was looking for don't so much as scratch yourself the hundredth part of an inch or well you saw a single foot he ended grimly poison needle colonel asked dr warren as he shoved the cigarette donovan had broken toward the middle of the table that's what i suspect if we had a cat now or a rat easy enough to get a rat interposed the warden there's always some of the beasts in the traps we set about we catch em alive i don't like poison here riley go and see if you can find a rat in one of the traps what you going to do colonel try it on him if you have one yes you get my idea i guess some of singerfoot's indian friends knowing he would rather go out this way than pay the penalty of his crime brought in a package of his favorite cigarettes 
in two, three, or in perhaps more of the dope sticks, as my friend Donovan calls them, he shoved a fine needle, the tip of which was dipped in some swift, subtle Indian poison, the secret of which these two alone perhaps knew. With the cigarettes in his possession, it was easy enough for Singerfoot to smoke some and extract a needle from another. It was probably marked in some secret way. More than one needle was sent to guard against failure, but the first one must have worked. I'd like to find it. I'll have the cell swept for you, promised the warden as his deputy went off to look for a rat. A keeper was summoned with a broom and brushed out the cell. It did not take long, for it was very clean. Most of the debris was cigarette ash and scraps of paper and tobacco, and it was in this debris, carefully poked over with a lead pencil, that a needle was found. Colonel Ashley, using extreme care, laid the two together, after an examination of the other unbroken cigarettes, had disclosed the fact that none of them concealed anything. I got one, Warden, a butte, came Riley's voice from down the corridor, and he came in with a wire cage containing a large rat which cowered in one corner of his cell, even as Singerfoot had shrunk into his when the end came. How are you going to get at him, Colonel? asked the Warden. They're nasty to handle. One of them nipped my dog fierce when I gave him a chance at killing it a day or so ago. I'm not going to let it out. If I had a stick or something that I could fasten the needle on, I could work a sort of javelin, remarked the colonel. I'll get you one, offered Riley, much interested in the coming experiment. Donovan, too, looked on in startled wonder. A long, slender stick was brought, and using great care with his rubber gloves on that he used in autopsies, Dr. Warren fastened the needle to the wand. Then Colonel Ashley thrust the improvised spear through the wires of the cage, and lightly punctured the rat, which gave a protesting squeak. It didn't hurt him much, observed the colonel, and if I have guessed right, his death will be painless. How soon, asked Donovan. I can't say, but it ought not be very long. The kind of poison they use is calculated to work swiftly. In the glaring light from the nitrogen bulb, they stood in the cell of the dead man, gathered about the cage of the rat, a prison within a prison. After the first start caused by the needle prick, the rodent again shrank back into its corner. For perhaps ten minutes it remained thus, and then it began to exhibit signs of uneasiness. It stood up on its haunches and began to bite at the wires of the cage. It squeaked more as though uneasy than in pain. In another minute it began to run around the tin floor of its prison and then it suddenly stopped in its tracks, fell over in a lump, and was still. Well, I'll be, began Donovan, and then with a look at the colonel he substituted. This gets me, it sure does. It evidently went right to the heart, just as in Singerfoot's case, observed the colonel grimly. You were right, said Dr. Warren. It was poison. He probably jabbed himself with the point of the needle, and whatever was smeared on it did the rest. I shall be interested in making the autopsy. You will probably find very little trace of the poison, said the colonel. The kind they use is designed to disappear almost as soon as it becomes effective. Still, you may discover something. But Dr. Warren did not. 
aside from a little scratch near the prisoner's heart where he had evidently dug the needle deep into his skin there was no sign that death was other than by natural causes the poison had gone directly into the blood as does the venom of a snake and had brought death in the same way in fact it was the opinion of colonel ashley that some form of snake poison was used though what it was no one could say and so passed out and beyond singerfoot and the charge of murder having been quashed by a higher tribunal than that of the county court the matter was soon forgotten the colonel's theory that some fellow-countrymen had supplied the east indian means of escaping the electric chair was generally accepted and that singerfoot was guilty of having killed his partner in a sudden fit of passion following one of their frequent quarrels was also believed by those who cared to exercise any thought in the matter but what gets me though said the colonel is where does singerfoot fit in with the watch in mrs darcy's hand that watch ah there's a link i haven't had time to examine as i'd like to i must see to it the colonel fell into a reverie his eyes went to the closet where he had put away his fishing rods oh friend isaac he murmured how basely i have deserted you but i'm coming back yes i'll stop this detective work i'll wire for kedge to-night to come on and take up the case he can do it as well as i i'll get kedge he started for the telephone to dictate a telegram and then as he chanced to look out of the window a different expression came into his face down on the sidewalk he saw amy mason walking slowly along the girl's pretty face was drawn and careworn evidently the anxiety over darcy was beginning to tell on her the old detective shook his head slowly oh i suppose i can't back out now he sighed i've gone too far it would look like quitting and i never was a quitter he straightened up to his soldierly height besides he went on kedge would only mix matters up now he wouldn't know what to do even if i told him kedge is all right for some things but oh well i'll keep on with the case this was the day following the discovery of the suicide of the east indian in his cell and any intentions colonel ashley may have had of subjecting to a close examination the queer watch had to be postponed he had ventured to keep it after donovan had shown it to him ready to make some plausible excuse if it was called for but the arrest of the east indian and the preparation of the case for trial in connection with the prosecutor's office evidently made donovan forget for the time being that the watch was not among other criminal relics in his closet as a matter of fact colonel ashley had had it in his possession since that night donovan went out with his friend the stool pigeon and now carrying out a plan he had made the colonel one bright may morning put the odd timepiece in his pocket and started for the darcy jewelry store intending to have ketteridge look at the mechanism and other parts of the watch but when the detective reached the establishment he saw to his surprise a great crowd gathered out in front a crowd that needed the services of several policemen to keep it from stopping traffic in the roadway hello more trouble at the place mused the colonel 
quickening his steps. I wonder what's up this time. He inquired casually from those on the outskirts of the throng and received enough information to justify the getting out of several extra newspapers. Burglar tried to blow up the safe and got blown up himself. Hold-up man shot three of the girls behind the diamond counter and then killed himself. Nah, somebody tried to set fire to the place. Ah, only one of the girls faded, that's all. These opinions came mostly from boys or young men. No one seemed to know exactly what had happened. The colonel spied Mulligan, the officer who had been the first official on the scene at the murder of Mrs. Darcy, and nodded in friendly fashion. The blue coat escorted the colonel through the crowd into the store. I guess you'll be interested, said Mulligan. Yes, thank you. What is it? I didn't hear all the particulars, but Miss Brill, the young lady clerk, received an electrical shock from some wires hidden under the metal edge of one of the showcases. So Mr. Ketteridge says, and she was knocked down. Killed? No, but her head struck on the edge of a case and she's badly cut. I sent for the ambulance. It happened when the store was crowded and made a bit of excitement. I should think it would. Hidden electrical wires? And the colonel thought of a certain discovery he had made. End of chapter 14 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts, May 2011